Hello and welcome to episode 38 of The Witcher Chapter by Chapter Book Review, where I'll go through a summary of the latest chapter and give my detailed thoughts on it. Today, I'm discussing chapter 3 from The Tower of Swallows. Still don't know if I should call it The Tower of Swallows or The Tower of the Swallow. I feel like I should call it The Tower of the Swallow. I know that title makes more sense. The Tower of the Swallow. The Tower of Swallows. Because Swallow is uh, how you say Zirel in the common speech. Zirel is Siri's name in the elder speech. It's just, well, there's one Siri. Huh? Well, actually, I guess there's two. <laughs> there's the imposter Siri, as we know, in uh, Nilfgaard. And then there is our Siri. Uh, but I, I think I'm just going to stick with the Tower of Swallows. I feel like I've already committed to that. But that's what my, my copy of the book says. Still don't understand how that works, though. Why some of the English copies have the one name and then some have the other. I don't get how that happened. And I've kind of looked into it, like a little bit of very light Google searching and couldn't find an, a quick answer. And I didn't feel like exploring further. Just... I mean, I'm curious to know, but not curious enough to spend a lot of time <laughs> looking into it, but oh well. So I hope that you are all doing very well today, whether you are listening to this right after it has been uploaded or if you are listening to this sometime in the future, I hope you're doing well. I myself, I'm doing pretty good. It's actually it's an exciting time for fantasy right now. I mean, well, for me, I, I talk about The Witcher a lot and I love doing that of course. Doing this podcast is uh, one of my favorite things I look forward to every week. And uh, I'm still playing at the time of this recording, still playing The Witcher 1 for the first time. If that's something you're interested in and you haven't checked out, you can catch the videos on my YouTube channel, or uh, you can even watch me play live on Twitch. So go ahead and follow me there and you can get updates on when I go live. But uh, video gaming isn't really your thing and you just want to talk about the book or listen to me talk about the book and you can always respond to me on YouTube in the comments. Uh, that's fine too, but that is an available option if that is something you're interested in. But also, uh, at the time of recording this, the show, the new Game of Thrones show, House of the Dragon just came out. And I mean, I've only seen the one episode, only one episode is out at this time, but so far, with that one episode, I was happy with it. It was It's really exciting to get re-immersed in that world. Because when the show, the original Game of Thrones TV show, was out, it was, it was a very exciting time. I remember really looking forward to those Sunday nights when a new episode would premiere. And I feel like we're back doing that again. We're back into the world of Westeros. And it's, uh, it's very... It's, it's just a... Uh, just like a vibe, you know? And uh, I kind of stepped away from that whole world. Like I loved the books too, the A Song of Ice and Fire books. And I, I loved the book that this new show is based off, off of called Fire and Blood. But you, know, you can only really do so much with it, with the, with the content when there's nothing new. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's nice that there's a new show out to you know, feel like you're back in that world again. But, uh, I mean, even with The Witcher, there's not really a whole lot of new stuff. I mean, I know there is the show, but, I mean, not really. I'll watch the third season at this time. Only There's only two seasons out, but uh, I will watch the third season when it comes out. But it's not something I'm like, 
I'm, I don't. I, I won't have it marked on the calendar when they release a premiere date. But I mean, I'm not trying to say anything bad about the show. If you like the show, then I'm. I wouldn't say anything bad about that. I don't have any negative feelings towards you towards that. I just. Uh, I when it comes to The Witcher, I absolutely love these books. I absolutely love the games, especially The Witcher One. I'm almost done with The Witcher One. Love The Witcher Three. Still have to play The Witcher Two though. But yeah, when it, uh, with the show, it's just uh, I, I'm not really. It, it's just not something that I'm gonna be that excited about. But anyway, uh, let's get into this chapter. But we're gonna recap the previous chapter so that you're caught up in case you feel like you need to be for whatever reason. So, for the recap, Siri tells Vaisagoda about how the rats got killed by Leo Bonhart and how she tried to rescue them but was too late. Bonhart defeated Siri in a sword fight and then tied her to a hitching post and forced her to watch as he cut off the heads of all the rats. Did not enjoy reading that. All right, well, let's move on to the less dark content in chapter three. So here's a summary of what happened in chapter three. We return to Geralt and his company who deserted the Lyrian army after they started moving away from the direction of the Druids in Cade Du. Eventually they come across the homestead of a beekeeper who tells them the Druids have left Cade Du and that they're now located in a place called the Slopes. It turns out the Druids could be in the Slopes, but they could also be anywhere. The beekeeper just told Geralt that because he was hoping Geralt could accompany them on their travels to the slopes for protection along the way. The Witcher and his group decide to do so, since it's better than doing nothing. Meanwhile, Triss headed over to Bremivore to obtain information on Yennefer, and there received news from a Skelligan fisherwoman that Yennefer is dead. Also, while exiting the palace after being reprimanded by Amir for his inability to find Kier, Ciri, or Vilgefortz, Vatir de Rideau comes across a magic teleprojection of Ryan's. Ryan's tells him he'll trade him Kahir's head in exchange for information on Taniel's whereabouts. Later, he meets with his mistress and, unbeknown to him, spy for Asiri Var Anahed, Carthea Van Canton, also known as Cantarella, and reveals the deal he made with Ryan's. So I thought it was it was kind of nice to get back to Geralt and the crew after the very unsettling information we learned in the previous chapter, but I just don't feel like we learned too much in chapter three. We spent a lot of time with this group of people in the last book, and then we had two chapters away from them, which I was more than okay with because Baptism of Fire was, the majority of that book was with Geralt and that group, and I loved it, but it was good to move on, like, you know, move on to another character for a little bit, which we did with Siri in the first two chapters. The thing is, I, I would have expected them to have made more progress in their journey or for at least more eventful details to be shared in this chapter. And it's no diss on the writing. And I don't mean to be negative. I apologize if I am, or if it sounds like I'm being overly negative or unnecessarily negative. It's just, it's just disappointing that Geralt and Ciri aren't any closer to a reunion. Like, I really just want to see them back together again, and it doesn't feel like we're any closer to that happening than we were when the last time we were with the group. Honestly, it feels like we're even further. <laughs> so that sucks. But you know what? 
I guess it is what it is. I, I, I suppose that this is the major conflict of the story right now. And if they were to become reunited and be a happy little family again, then I mean, what else would be in the rest of this book and then the following book? So I guess it makes sense. I just, I want to see them back together. <laughs> okay, well, let's talk about the details of this chapter, starting with this army desertion situation. So after the battle for the bridge, which was where we left off with Geralt and his company, the last time we saw them in the final chapter of Baptism of Fire, uh, Geralt and the group, they stuck with the Lyrian army for a little bit. And it seemed like it was a good idea since they were heading in the direction the company was heading in and the army had uh, barber surgeons who could attend to Milva after her miscarriage which that was the last update that we got on Milva. So she's doing okay, um, by the way. <laughs> she was able to physically recover during their time with the army. It, of course, is taking her longer to mentally and emotionally recover. Obviously, I don't, I don't, I think a monster would not be understanding of that. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's, it's to be expected that she's not gonna be emotionally, mentally, uh, okay after what she went through and there were a few examples given of, of how she was having a hard time dealing with it so there were days where she would not speak at all and there was even one day where without a single word she just cut her hair really short she just had this long braid and she just cut it right off didn't say anything about it until after she did it so yeah she's not totally back to being okay but at least physically, she's okay. So that much is good. That much we can be thankful for. So after learning about a Nilfgaardian punitive expedition, the army turned around and started moving basically in the wrong direction, like a wrong for as far as Geralt was concerned. So the company needed to bail. But Geralt actually goes to Queen Meave and asks her for permission to leave because he didn't want to just desert. And she said no. Well, he has to leave. Like he can't. He had to actually continue trying to find Siri. So there was no way that he was going to be able to stay with them. So then he had to desert. And they all snuck away. They took some provisions and horses in the process. So they are back on track, but they're no longer with the army. Something interesting about the way we are learning about a lot of these things in this chapter. A lot of it is told from the first person perspective of Dandelion, but Dandelion in the future as an old man, which by the way, <laughs> that kind of uh, lets us know that we don't ever have to worry about Dandelion getting killed. He is definitely gonna survive this whole journey if he was able to tell the story from the future, from the distant future. So I took some of the more subjective pieces of his telling of the story with a grain of salt. And for example, he says that after Geralt was knighted, he became very conceited and he relished his fame and enjoyed his honor. I took it with a grain of salt because the story is usually told from an objective third person narrative where there is mostly no bias. I think that there is a possibility that Dandelion could be describing things accurately but it's also possible he's exaggerating to make his writing more captivating to readers. Knowing Dandelion, that's, that's plausible. It's a plausible theory. 
But I, mean, I guess it is true. Geralt, and I know that Dandelion even does mention that this was out of character for Geralt, but Geralt isn't like that. He's not the type of person that would be conceited, that would be enjoying fame and honor. But I guess maybe there was a period of time where he felt like he maybe deserved it. I don't know. It's not really even that important. Like, I don't think this is that integral to the story. But I think that it was interesting to hear about Geralt being that type of person when he is the opposite of that type of person. But And I, I just wanted to mention that I thought that it might have just been an exaggeration. If this chapter, if the entirety of the chapter was being told the way that it normally is told from this objective third-person narrative, this lack of bias, I don't know that we would have witnessed Geralt acting the way that Dandelion described him acting. But I guess we'll never know for sure. And like I said, it's not really that important, but I thought it was pretty interesting. All right, well, I want to move on now and talk about Triss and Bremivord. Bremivord, we've actually been there before. It's been a while. That was the setting in the short story, A Little Sacrifice, where Dandelion and Geralt were in that area, and they were in the company of Essie Davin, or Little Eye, and also the mermaid Sheenaz, and she was in love with the, uh, I think it was Anklaval. forget what his position was. He was like the elderman, I think, or he was like in, in charge of that town can't remember what the exact title of his position was, but it doesn't matter. But uh, this is the second time we get to see this area again, this location again. Not that there's really too much that's talked about when it comes to the area, but it just brought me back to that story for a moment. And I, and I like that because that was one of my favorite short stories. So Triss is there in Bremavord incognito searching for information and she gets updates on Yennefer. So this fisherwoman from Skellige is there in this tavern and she's talking about how Yennefer was caught in their net and the fisher the fisher fishwives fisherwives fishwives it's fishwives she was caught in the net of these fishwives after she teleported from Monte Calvo Castle and the fishwives brought her to Krakon Crate, Jarl Krakon Kroc- Crate. And we've met him before, too, and I've talked about that because we've heard of him since we've met him. So, yeah, I'm not going to be a broken record and go into the details on Krakon Crate again. But we actually were already briefly informed that Yennefer ended up in Skellige after she teleported. If you remember, it was such a brief mention. It was at the very beginning of the final chapter of Baptism of Fire where there was this old man telling the story of Geralt, Yennefer, and Ciri to these kids, and the kids all wanted to hear the story about Geralt or Yennefer or Ciri. They were kind of arguing about that, and then they decided to listen to the part about Geralt. But he did give brief updates on Ciri and Yennefer, and Yennefer, it was said that she ended up in Skellige, and then she was with allies. So this part of the chapter is where we and Triss receive news of Yennefer's death. The fishwife said that Yennefer killed herself with her spells. You might notice that I am talking about this with very little surprise, very little emotion at all, because I don't think she's actually dead. Why would she have such an unceremonious death? She's a very major character, a very important character, and this was thrown in as like a, oh, by the way, Yennefer's dead. I don't think that 
that's how it would happen. I think if she died, we would be given more details. It would seem like a much bigger deal. I could be wrong, of course. We could get official confirmation of her death in one of the upcoming chapters, but I don't think so. I don't think that that's going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to maintain positivity and and, um, just I'm very doubtful that that's going to happen. And I know that I'm sure if you're listening to this, you know that I've read the whole books already, but I'm talking about this from the perspective of somebody who has never read the books, who's reading this chapter for the first time, doesn't know how the rest of the story goes. When I read these books the first time, this is what I thought. I don't think she's really dead. And yeah, we'll have to see for sure soon, (laughs) maybe soon. But if she ends up dead, then I will show more emotion about it because I will be very upset. But if not, then, well, I will be happy that I didn't waste energy on (laughs) being upset about that. So um, also something that happens related to Yennefer in this chapter is Dandelion had this um, kind of like prophetic dream about her where she was floating above a castle and this castle was on the top of a mountain so I think that we, sh- we are to assume that it was Monte Calvo Castle and there were other sorcerers below and they were cursing at her and shaking their fists at her and then she flew away. So this is actually pretty similar to what happened. Obviously it wasn't identical to what happened. But it's strange that Dandelion, someone who isn't that close with Yennefer, would be having these accurate dreams about her. You would think that, well, I guess I shouldn't say accurate, semi-accurate, but it was pretty much like what happened when Yennefer went to Monte Calvo Castle and then teleported away. She was in the company of a lot of these sorceresses who did not like her, who had negative feelings towards her, and then she teleported away. So it's just really weird that Dandelion would have that. You'd think it would be Geralt, especially because Geralt already has these dreams about Ciri and what's happening with her. Speaking of which, there, um, Geralt is having more dreams about Ciri in this chapter. We actually don't get to learn what it was exactly, but it was said that he suddenly woke up drawing his sword and he looked like he was in a frenzy. So I wonder if he saw what was happening with Ciri when she was with the rats or her meeting with Leo Bonehart. (sighs) I think at this point, Geralt has accepted that the dreams he's having are real like he's because at first when he brought this up a little while back he didn't think that it was possible to have dreams of what was really happening or things that happen in the future uh but i think he's finally seeing like finally accepting that that is possible and that is what's happening to him especially since kahir told him about a dream that kahir has had that was exactly the same one that Geralt has had so that just it's making me feel sorry for him again. <laughs> Constantly pitying Geralt. It's like with every chapter that we uh, we get updates on him, just feel more and more bad. I feel bad for Siri too, of course, because she does not have it easy right now. It's just Geralt has to feel so helpless. He's trying so hard to find her and protect her and rescue her. And it's just... It's, he's just seeing these horrible things and or these very uh, alarming things that's happening with her. Pro- I mean, like I said, we don't, we were not told what he saw in that dream, but I think that's what it was. 
All right, well, I'm gonna move on again, talk about a different topic from this chapter, and that is all revolved around Viscount Vatsir de Rideau, who we didn't really know too much about before this chapter. We just know that he has a high up position uh, for Emperor Amir, so he's a Nilfgaardian. Uh, he's got a pretty important role in the war. But yeah, we get to see things from up close and personal of him in this chapter for a decent amount of time. And a lot of the stuff that's shared about him or shared what's going on with him is it's pretty compelling. So we first see Vatir in this chapter getting reprimanded by Amir for his failure to find Kahir, Vilgefort's and Siri. Vatir suggests to Amir that he marries the imposter they have, the imposter Siri, so that they can obtain peace and neutrality from other countries that they are seeking peace and neutrality from. But Amir refuses. I was under the impression that Amir was going to marry the fake one. And if they found the real Siri, they were just going to exchange them. But he's not up to that for some reason. And I wanted to point that out because I was expecting that sometime soon we would be getting the news of Amir going through with the marriage to the imposter that they have. I mean, if they've already got this imposter that they kind of paraded around, well, not paraded around, but they declared to the world was the real Siri. I mean, I didn't think it would be that big of a deal if he just married her. And then if they did find the real Siri that they are searching for, that he would just make the exchange and maybe even just kill the old one, which would be an awful thing to do, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to be getting any news anytime soon of Amir getting married to this imposter because he's not getting his hands on the real Siri, at least where things are at the moment. She's safely tucked away in this hermit's house that's in an area that nobody goes to. As long as she's there, Amir's not getting married. We're not getting that news. So... Amir also asks Vatir where Taniel is and says Taniel reported he left no stone unturned when searching for Siri in the area the astrologer Zarthesius said that she would be in. But we know that Taniel specifically sent Boneheart to kill Siri. What could this guy, Taniel, Stefan Skelling, what could he possibly up, be up to? No idea, no theories on that. I at least believe he's working for himself now. No, he's no longer listening to Amir. I don't know that Amir is fully aware of that at the moment. I think he's probably going to become aware of it soon. But yeah, I don't think that Taniel is doing anything in the interest of Nelfgaard. I think he's working for himself. Just don't know what his goal is here. But it's, it's odd. It's very odd. Well, Amir is very set on finding Vilgefort's as we already knew, not just to punish him, but because he's certain that Vilgefortz has Siri. Everyone seems to mistakenly believe Vilgefortz has Siri, and I can understand since they both disappeared from the same place at the same time while he was pursuing her. It makes sense that they would think that. It's just, uh, it's not going to help anybody who wants to find Siri if they think that just finding Vilgefortz is going to find her. But I don't know, maybe they will learn that if they find him. But we actually get a minor update on Vilgefortz for the very first time since Thanet in this chapter. 
minor, very minor. We don't know anything about where he's been, where he currently is, what his plans are, what his goals are, what he's doing. But we do know he's alive for sure. So we see Reince again in this chapter. It's been a long time since we've seen Reince. He presents himself to Vatier in the form of a magical projection. He said that he and Vilgefortz know where Kahir is. They know where Kahir is, where he's heading, and who he's with, and they can easily bring Vatir Kahir's head as long as Vatir exchanges information on Taniel's whereabouts. Okay, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. How could he know where Kahir is? Hopefully he is mistaken or lying. That would be terrible, because we know Kahir's with Geralt. And we definitely don't want any interfering with Geralt trying to find Ciri. It's already hard enough as it is. So if these evil sorcerers are actually capable of knowing where they are and what they're doing, then uh, that's not going to end well, I'm pretty sure. But it's just the thing is, like, who knows? Like, who knows what Vilgefortz is capable of? Like, I wouldn't be shocked if they really do have this information. But the other thing that um, is really weird about this whole situation is why would they want to know about Taniel's whereabouts? There's just a lot of mystery around Taniel in this chapter. I'm sure it has something to do with whatever Taniel is up to at the moment, but we just don't know what he's up to. Maybe if we knew that, then we might get a better understanding of what Vilgefortz and Ryan's objective is here. Or maybe we would get a better idea of how they know where Kahir is, or if they really do know where Kahir is. I mean, I guess they easily, Ryan's easily could have just been lying, telling Vatir, like, oh yeah, we can bring you Kahir. You really need Kahir's head. You really need Kahir. So if you give us information that we want, then we'll give you something that you want. And it was confirmed that uh, Vatir did provide Ryan's with information on uh, Tawny Al's whereabouts. So hopefully he was lying and Batir is not getting Kahir's head from Ryan's. We'll have to see. All right. Well, one of the last bits I wanted to go over was this new character that we got introduced to in this chapter, this Carthea or uh, how she's known to Batir, uh, Cantarella. So she is his mistress. And at first, she's given a description as a young woman who's not so bright. But that's basically just what Vatier thinks of her. Then it's explained that she's very intelligent with a stupendous memory. And it's exemplified how foolish this guy Vatier is for trusting her. She tells the Nilfgaardian sorceress, Asire Varanahed, everything that he tells her. <laughs> And Asire, if you remember, proved her loyalty to the Lodge in the previous meeting that they had when she told them the theory that Amir has is an imposter. So we know for sure that Asire is putting the interest of the Lodge above the interest of Nilfgaard. So now we can safely assume that everything Batir tells Carthia will get back to the Lodge members should be interesting to see how the Lodge uses this information. You know that they're going to use this information to the best of their ability or to the best um, in, the, in their best interest. You know that it's going to be helpful to them. 
don't know what their plans would be, but it's going to be interesting whenever we get to find out. And also, it doesn't really make you too <laughs> sympathetic toward Vatir when you think back to the beginning of his appearance in this chapter. Uh, it doesn't really make you feel too bad for him when he was getting reprimanded by Amir. Obviously, Amir wasn't reprimanding him for this, but he probably deserves to be reprimanded. Probably worse, honestly. Because <laughs> he's just leaking information in such a foolish way. And you know what? It's been seeming like uh, Nilfgaard has been winning this war against the North, but now I'm starting to think there's a there's a good chance they could lose again if Amir's got people in such high positions who make mistakes this stupid. It really is stupid. Obviously, he doesn't know Kerfia is a spy, but she is a spy. Like, <laughs> if, if he is in a position that high for Nilfgaard, he shouldn't be making mistakes like that. Like, that's just stupid. He shouldn't be telling anybody anything, especially in this world where they've got mages. Like, this was... He's telling her about this stuff right after a mage presented himself out of nowhere in the form of a teleprojection. So as far as he knows, people could be listening to him at any time or passing along information at any time. Like anything's possible in this world, really. So that's, it's just really stupid. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not saying that Vatir alone is gonna be the reason Nilfgaard loses the war if Nilfgaard does lose. But, I mean, if Amir's letting somebody like that uh, be responsible for as much as Vatir is responsible for, then I'm sure he's got other stupid people doing very important jobs. Just something to think about, I guess. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I've got a few closing thoughts here, so I'll move on to those, but don't really have a whole lot. So we'll have to look out for what happened to Yennefer and hope she didn't really die, but we've got high hopes on that. Uh, we'll also have to look out for how Ryan's and Vilgefords know about Kahir's location and if they interfere with the company. Uh, that's something that maybe could be uh, explained in very small details. I'm definitely going to be reading between the lines as much as I can in the upcoming chapters when we're with the company to see if there is any way that information could be getting back to Vilgefords and Ryan's, but as of right now, I can't imagine how they're possibly doing that. So, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. And uh, the company, they're currently not sure where to find the druids. That's been their destination for a decent amount of time. So they're heading to the slopes to search for them because uh, the area, the slopes, is supposed to be suitable for druids. Plus, they definitely aren't going to find them if they just remain in one place. I don't know. And maybe they'll stumble upon someone else on the way to the slopes who will know where the druids are located. Otherwise, it seems like they've hit another major roadblock. It's got to be super crushing for Geralt. Just, I feel more and more sorry for him with each chapter. Each chapter where we get updates on Geralt. It's a shame. All right, well, that's all I have for you. So just to let you know, in case you didn't, these episodes are available on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for joining, and I will catch you all in the next episode.